All right, amen. Take your Bibles this morning to the book of John. John chapter 14 to begin this morning. Right there in the New Testament. There are notes available uh, on, the, on the back, should be on the website as well, and do not get intimidated um, by, by the notes this morning. Um, I, I gave you some extra material. Uh, I'm doing that, so hopefully when we, when we uh, have to move through some sections a little bit quicker, you can take these home uh, uh, to review them. I was telling my wife this morning um, that I was working on it last night, and my, my message for today, Sunday school lesson, um, I had a short point, and then I had a little bit longer point to take some more time on, and when I was getting through it, I finished my short point at five pages, and usually six pages is a Sunday school lesson. So um, I, we're going we're gonna, to... Uh, just some things, and, uh, and I gave you some extra material to take home uh, with you today as we're continuing our series on rightly dividing the word. I was talking to, um, I believe it was my mom earlier this week, and she was asking what had, had gone on in science school, and I, I told her what we were teaching on, and she says, still? You're still doing that series on, like, well, we've only done like 19 lessons. She said, I think you've been doing it all, all year. Like, well, we took some breaks here and there and had some other speakers and looked at some other lessons in the middle, but uh, this is the uh, officially on my schedule, the 19th lesson. I know some took longer than uh, a week, and we did some other things, but the 19th lesson in this series, I was... Uh, not sure how far we're going to go when we started, but I think, uh, think I've got one more laid out. I've got a couple more topics we could do, but I'm going to plan for one more next week, and then we'll take a break and go back to our More Than Conquerors series, and then I'll pray about some other stuff after that. But amazing to see how we've traveled through the Word of God uh, so far this year. Today we're going to look at um, rightly dividing the Word uh, related to prophecy. There's one area that is prone to confusion um, in the Bible. It's the area of prophecy. You can find a lot of nutcases uh, that specialize um, in prophecy. There are many parts of prophecy that we need to rightly divide. In fact, in this series, we've already looked at some of them. Just a few weeks ago, we looked at the topic of rightly dividing the judgments. That's an area of prophecy, something that's coming uh, in the future. This, uh, this week's a unique lesson that I'm excited about. We're going to look at a historical confusion regarding prophecy, something that's not necessarily confusing to us today, but it was in the past, and they were confused about it. And we're going to start there because there's some parallels to some confusion about future prophecy that, that parallel to this confusion about the, the old prophecy. That's why I've entitled today's lesson, Rightly Dividing Between the First and Second Coming of Christ, as well as the Rapture and Revelation. So there's kind of a two-part uh, lesson here we're going to look at an old failure to rightly divide the word and, and a current failure to rightly divide the word and get a biblical perspective on these two aspects of prophecy. We'll see how the prophecy was misunderstood in the past and how it's being misunderstood today, and it's really a lot of, in a lot of ways for the same reason. So that, the topic we're going to look at today deals with Jesus and his comings to earth. The times that he has come, the times that he will come to earth. And we are going to start by reading a verse in John chapter 14, verse number 3. A very familiar verse. I would think Pastor actually used this a couple weeks ago when he was preaching on the topic of heaven. But for John 14, verse number 3, the Bible says there, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also." 
Let's open with a word of prayer this morning. Lord, we uh, love you. We thank you for the time we have to gather around your word that we have set aside to study together. I pray the thoughts would come through uh, clearly this morning, that you would use this to settle our hearts in this matter, uh, Lord, and that we would be excited uh, about your return and the things that you have promised for us, Lord. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You see in this verse, in John 14, verse 3, that Jesus makes a conditional promise. Um, He makes a promise to come again, but the condition was that he was going to have to leave first. He said, if I leave, then I'll come again. So the question is, did Jesus leave? Yes. Does Jesus, can Jesus lie? No. So what's that mean? Jesus is coming again. Uh, he made a promise that he was going to do, so he made a promise he was going to come back. And just in this verse, we have the, the, the truth of the comings of Christ, the fact that he came because he was there talking to the disciples, and that he's coming again because he promised uh, that he would. The historical fact of Jesus and his ministry are irrefutable historical facts. There are those who would try to refute the fact that Jesus was here and that he was a person um, on earth, but they are either um, ignorant of, of, the, of the facts or they are dishonest because the, the, the truth that Jesus was here as a historical figure, we have more evidence to the historical figure of Jesus than just about any historical figure from 2,000 plus years ago. Uh, with the people that we know about from history may have a source or two that points to them, and we have all kind of information that points to the historical fact of Jesus, and specifically The truth of the resurrection is one of the most historically documented events in history. Uh, If you go back to ancient history, um, before we have video evidence of stuff going on, that only goes back a little ways. But if you go go further back where we have written records, there's more written records and eyewitness accounts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ than just about any other event in human history. Um, So it is a a historical fact that Jesus was here, that he lived and his ministry was here um, on earth, and that he died and that he rose again. And just as surely as Jesus came the first time, he's made a promise that he will come again. We saw that in the text verse this morning. So to begin this morning, we're going to look at rightly dividing between the first and second comings of Christ. The first and second comings of Christ. So as we get into the notes here, the first point we have is the clarity of the two comings. This is kind of a short point, but I want to make it. And This is going to play into our next point that we're going to look at between the rapture and revelation. But it's very easy and obvious for us to see that Jesus came and that Jesus is coming again. Because of our perspective in history. It's as if we're standing in a valley between two great mountains. We look over here, Jesus came. We look over here, Jesus is coming again. it's, it's, It's obvious to us that these are two different events. That they're very clearly both relating to Jesus and his coming to earth. We can see that when he came this time, he was coming to die. When he comes back again, he's coming to reign. Just because of our perspective in history, this is very clear and obvious to us. We can look back at the prophecies in the Old Testament and we can rightly divide them uh, very easily because of our historical perspective. If Jesus did it already, it was a prophecy about his first coming because he was here and he did it. If he hasn't done it yet, well, it's a prophecy about his next coming because he still has, it, has to do it. So we look at the prophecy in the Old Testament. It's very easy for us to divide, but that's where we're going to get into our next point, um, and that's the confusion of the two comings. Because from our perspective, it's easy. He came, he's coming again. But from the perspective of somebody living in the Old Testament, they didn't see that division as clearly. They didn't understand the difference between the two comings of Christ as well. And when they looked at the prophecies of the Old Testament, they had some confusion and a failure to rightly divide the word. They saw scripture that talked about the Messiah as one type of a Messiah. 
and then they saw Scripture talking about the Messiah, and it sounded completely different, almost as if it was a completely different person. And they didn't understand that it referred to how he was going to come the first time and how he's going to come the second time. That was the confusion there. There are very clear prophecies in the Old Testament that relate both to Christ's first coming and his second coming. Very clearly, this is talking about Jesus when he comes the first time. This is talking about Jesus when he comes back. There are other passages where the division for us is clear, but it wasn't as clear to those in the Old Testament. We'll look at some of those and we'll see why that confusion um, was there because there are passages that refer to both of his comings at the same time in the same passage. So as we said already, it's clear to us because we sit between the two perspectives, the, the two comings, but the people who live before Christ did not have that privilege. We, um, as we sit between the two events, we can look back at one and forward at the other. We can see them with clarity. But in the Old Testament, to the Old Testament saints, both events were in the future. I use the example of us sitting in a valley looking at this peak and this peak. But if you're outside the valley and you're looking across and you see the mountain and you see the other mountain, maybe they blend into one another or maybe they look right beside one another and you don't really see the valley between. That's kind of the historical perspective of, of an Old Testament saint. They didn't see first coming, second coming. They saw the Messiah and it just didn't make sense because they didn't see that there was a time between when he came the first time and when he came again. They could not see from their vantage point the great valley that was between the two. This confusion led them to wrongly divide the word and misunderstand the comings of uh, the Messiah. One theory that some Jewish teachers had to explain the difference of the different, different messianic prophecies was that there would be two messiahs. There would be a messiah that would die and there would be a messiah that would, that would reign. That was them trying to reconcile the, the scriptures in their minds and they, they wrongly divided the word and came out with some wrong theology about the messiah. Um, this is a theory that's even still around today. I read an article last night from a Jewish rabbi that was written in 2006 talking about how there was a messiah that would come out of the tribe of Joseph uh, that would, that would uh, suffer and die and then there would be a messiah coming from the, from the line of David in the tribe of Judah that would be the Messiah that would reign. So this is a theory they still hold today from failing to rightly divide the word and, and misunderstanding the fact that Jesus had come already and that Jesus is coming again. There's another theory that was very common around the time of Jesus' ministry, and it was due to the circumstances they were in. The Jews in Jesus' time and Jesus' day were, were living under Roman rule. They were, they were ruled by an outside force and they had all these promises about their land and, and a kingdom and a king and that they would reign and be a world power and it would be the seat of government authority and that's what they were looking for. They just ignored the prophecies about the Messiah that would suffer. They wanted the Messiah that would come reign. And so when Jesus came in, they were looking for the Messiah that would reign when Jesus came to, came to suffer at his first coming. And so this misunderstanding of these, these uh, prophecies, confusing them, uh, led to these wrong ideas about the Messiah. We see that there was confusion present, present during the time of Christ's ministry. There was a time where the people, would, though Jesus said in John chapter 6, he perceived that they would take him by force and make him a king. That, that's what the people wanted. If you're the Messiah, we're going to turn you into a king because that's the kind of Messiah that we want right now. And it came from a failure to rightly divide the word. There was uh, Herod. Herod had all the baby boys in Jerusalem killed because he was afraid of a king that was going to come and lead the Jewish people and overthrow the Roman government. So Herod believed in a, in a Jewish king as far as that prophecy of the Messiah. Jesus' brothers even. 
They didn't believe on him initially because he was not acting the way they thought the Messiah should. In John chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, go into Judea, that the disciples may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. If you're really the Messiah, here's how you should act. That was their perspective on it. And it says, therefore, neither did his brethren believe in him. I don't think you're really the Messiah because if you're the Messiah, this is the way you would be acting right now because they were looking at his second coming, not at his first coming when he was coming to to suffer. This confusion even persisted among the disciples. You remember the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They were traveling and, and they were sad and Jesus joined them. And he, he made it so they couldn't tell who he was. And he asked them about what was going on and why they were sad. And, and they said, what do you, you haven't heard what's, what's been going on? And he said to them in Luke 24, verse 19, he said unto them, What things? They said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides this, this is the th- uh, today is the third day since these things were done. You don't understand, this is the guy we thought was the Messiah, because the Messiah was going to come redeem Israel. We thought that's what was going to happen. And Jesus had to reprimand, reprimand them and take them back to the Scripture and say, no, you're, you're not rightly dividing the word. Let's look at the prophecies of the Scripture and see what it says. Here's actually what Jesus said to them. Then Jesus said unto them, O fools! And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Key word there on all. Um, kind of a side note, but we, we like to pick the scriptures and believe the ones that we like. Uh, that's what the Jewish people are doing. Well, we like the, the prophecies about the Messiah that's going to set us free and, and make us a kingdom that's ruling and, and we're going to have world authority and we're going to get rid of the Romans. That's the, that's the scriptures we like. We're going to believe those. But he said, hey, you haven't believed all of it. All of the Bible is true. And whether you like it or not, you need to, need to believe what the Bible says. So he says there, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He had to take it back to the Bible and say, look, you're, you're confused. You thought this is what the Messiah was going to do, but you missed this part of the Messiah's ministry. And he took him back to Moses and all the prophets, the whole Old Testament. What a, what a Bible lesson to listen to. I, that's one I want. If we can have a repeat of history, a video screen up in heaven, heaven somewhere that we can rewind, I want to rewind and watch this Sunday school lesson that Jesus took back to Moses and all the prophets and expounded all things in the scriptures concerning himself. What, what, what a joy that would be to listen to. And uh, anyway, so he just there, he, he gives them, the, takes them back to the Bible, says, here's what you misunderstood. And he points out the distinction, the difference between the first coming of the Messiah and the second coming. After the resurrection, the disciples still didn't understand. And before he ascended to heaven in Acts chapter 1, they again asked him about this. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, when they were therefore come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Now? Is it time now? You've you done the suffering. Can we, can we go ahead now and have that kingdom we've been talking about? Uh, they misunderstood the, the, the difference between the time of his first coming and his second, second coming. So there's confusion about this in the, in the Old Testament and, uh, and before Jesus came and even Jesus during, even during Jesus' ministry. There can be some confusion about this today. Uh, I said easily that we understand the clarity between the two, but just kind of a kind of an example of this. We have a song uh, that we sing at Christmas. 
Christmas is a reference to Jesus' first coming. Uh, we have a song that we, we enjoy singing. I enjoy singing. Uh, Joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. That's, that's a song about when Jesus came, right? Well, what about the rest of the song? Uh, let earth receive their king. Did Jesus come to be a king when he came the first time? Um, what about let no more sin and sorrow reign or thorns infest the ground? The curse is going to go away. Was that Jesus' first coming or joy to the world is a song about his second coming? Now, at Christmas time, we look forward to the fact that he came and that he's coming again. I'm not saying take joy to the world off the Christmas playlist, but again, some confusion that we just because he just came when we forget he's coming again. And let's look at the difference between, between the two. So I want to go now to some of the scriptures and, and we'll go through this um, take our time a little bit and go through some a little more quickly, but just to see why some of this confusion persisted uh, regarding the first and second coming of Christ. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. Why don't we go there together? Isaiah chapter 61. We won't go to all these, but this is a good one to get started. Well, you're going to... Well, I got it written in my Bible, or in my notes. So, Isaiah 61. So, there are a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament regarding the coming of Christ, the comings of Christ. And uh, the fact that he would come the first time, he would come again. And I said, there's some that talk about his first coming, some that talk about his second coming. But a lot of passages kind of, kind of blended the two, and that's where we need to learn to rightly divide the word. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. These verses should sound familiar, not from Isaiah, but from Matthew and Luke, where the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, and to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified." These verses are a prophecy about the Messiah, and Jesus references them one day when he goes into one of the synagogues to read. In Luke chapter 4, we see this, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, Now you follow along in Isaiah while I read what Jesus says in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Now those of you that are in grammar, did he stop at the end of a sentence, at the end of a paragraph? Where did he stop in that, in that, in that prophecy? He stopped right in the middle of the sentence. But he, but he closed the book, right in the middle of the sentence, and he says there... And all the, the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. He said, began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Up until that point, the scripture was fulfilled because that was a prophecy about his first coming. What's, what's the next thing after preaching the acceptable year of the Lord? And the day of the vengeance of our God. That wasn't happening yet. That was still future. That's not what you're just going to. So he points out here's where this scripture is divided between the first coming and the second coming. And he makes that division and shows this is, this is first coming, second coming. As you can see, somebody reading that in the Old Testament would be confused. You got, you got, you got an instance of, of him doing this, and then you see the vengeance of God being poured out. And where's, where's the difference there? Another example, this is in Micah chapter 5, verse number 2. A familiar verse, again, we read at Christmas time. 
But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me. Prophecy about the birth of Christ, about the first coming. But it switches. That is to be the ruler of Israel. That's second coming. Right there in the middle of the prophecy, we have the him coming to be born in Bethlehem. Then he's going to be the ruler. And there's, a, there's a, at least 2,000 years between the two. And so there's a, a difference there um, to rightly divide between his first coming, second coming, whose goings forth have been from old of everlasting. What about Isaiah chapter 9? Again, a prophecy we're familiar with at Christmas time. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. First coming. That, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Second coming. So we have his first coming and his second coming, and there's a lot more if you read in verse number 7. It continues to talk about he's gonna, his peace shall be no end, the throne of David upon his kingdom, to order it and establish it with the throne and with justice from henceforth even forever. That's second coming. Unto us a child is born, that's first coming. Government on his shoulder, that's second coming. How about Zechariah? Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. First coming, that's his, that's his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And I'll cut off the chariot of Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off. He'll speak peace unto the heathen. His dominion shall be from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. That's second coming, when he establishes his kingdom. Isaiah 40, uh, verses 3 through 5. This is a prophecy about, um, about John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make, the de- make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And when you go read what, we read what John said in Mark chapter 3, that's here where he stopped. But the prophecy continues in Isaiah to say, Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, the crooked shall be made straight, the rough places plain, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That part refers to his second coming. John the Baptist didn't include that in his message. We had first coming, second coming. One more example of this, this is what comes uh, when the Holy Spirit is talking, or the angel of the Lord is talking to Mary about the fact that she would uh, give birth to a son in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 33. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall be great, and called the Son of the Highest. That's what would happen. child would be born. He would be named Jesus. He'd be called the Son of God, but then... The verse continues, The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Again, a prophecy, first coming, second coming, and they didn't see the, the, the difference between the two. So I have written for you on your notes, this is kind of where we pick up with your content, just a description of what's different between his first coming and his second coming. And Pastor's really going to appreciate my, my outline here. I've got like 20-something Ps between page 1 and page 2. So, number one, we see the place, the place of the comings. The first coming, he was coming to, to Bethlehem. On his second coming, he'll be returning to Jerusalem. The purpose, his first coming, he came to save sinners. At his second coming, he'll, it'll be followed with the judgment of sinners. The person of his comings, in his first coming, he came as a baby. In his second coming, he'll come as a warrior. The position of his comings, in his first coming, he came as a servant. The second time, when he comes back, he'll be coming as a king, the king of kings. The program of his comings, in his first coming, he came to die for his enemies. Second coming, he's coming to rule over his enemies. The prominence of his coming, in his first coming, he was noticed only by a few. 
There was no room for him. He was despised and rejected of men. Uh, nobody, knew, nobody really knew who he was. It kind of went unnoticed. But in his second coming, Revelation tells us that every eye shall see him, and he'll be accepted by his brethren. The passage of his coming, we see in his first coming, he rode meekly on a donkey. In his second coming, he'll ride powerfully on a white horse. The peace of his coming, in his first coming, he offered peace to the human heart. In his second coming, he'll be establishing peace on earth. The politics of his coming, at his first coming, the governments were in the hand of men. At his second coming, the governments will be upon his shoulder. And in the pain of his comings, and his first coming, the serpent bruised his heel. But at his second coming, he'll bruise the serpent's head. Even there, all the first prophecy about the Messiah in the Bible, um, Genesis chapter 3.15, Thou shalt bruise his heel, and he shall bruise thy head. A prophecy of the first and second comings of Jesus. So we, we, we take that and we see this historical perspective that they misunderstood looking at it because both these were events for future. And now we're going to switch gears and talk about an aspect of the second coming of Christ that we've entitled the rapture and revelation of Jesus Christ. I say we've entitled. It's been historically called that for a while. I didn't come up with that. Um, the rapture and revelation of Jesus Christ. And again, I, I mentioned the clarity first of all. When we use the term uh, rapture and revelation, we're talking of, again of two future events. The rapture is an event where Jesus comes back for Christians. And after the, he comes back for us at the rapture, we will go to heaven. We will have the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. And while we are in heaven as Christians, after the rapture on earth, the tribulation is taking place. The revelation of Jesus Christ is another name for the second coming, when Jesus Christ returns to earth to be revealed as the King. So we have the rapture, he's coming back for Christians. Uh, revelation, he's coming back to earth to establish his kingdom. Just as the prophecy related to the first and second comings of Christ can be rightly divided, the prophecies related to the rapture and revelation of Jesus Christ can be as well. We just need to be careful in our interpretation of Scripture because there's things that deal with his, the rapture that people ascribe to the revelation. There's things about the revelation that ascribe to the rapture, and these two get confused. And that's where we get into the confusion of the two, the confusion of the rapture and revelation. You see... This is why we started where we did. We're in the same position when it comes to the rapture and revelation that the Old Testament saints were in relation to the first and second coming. We're looking ahead at both events, and we don't see the, the distinction between the two. There's not a 2,000-year valley, valley between the two, but there's at least a seven-year valley between the two, and we don't see necessarily that they can be confused if we're not careful. So we need to rightly divide the word and have a proper understanding of the difference between these two future events. There are many ways that these two are misunderstood by people who fail to rightly divide the word. There are simple confusions that take place when a Christian with the right theology, somebody in a church like ours, says something about the rapture that actually deals with the second coming. And it's, and it's innocent and they just misunderstand, mis, misspeak about it, some innocent um, Verses and expressions that are quoted talk about the second coming and that they refer to as being with the rapture. But there are more dangerous confusions where people misunderstand the doctrine of the Bible as they wrongly divide Scripture. There are some doctrinal, um, there are some different doctrinal perspectives on the rapture. The first of these is a pre-tribulation rapture. This perspective teaches that Christ will return for all New Testament believers before the tribulation begins. This is the proper biblical understanding of the rapture. Before the tribulation happens, Christ will come back to receive His bride, to receive the church, to receive all New Testament believers, all those that are in Christ. Um, that takes place before the tribulation. But there are some people who teach that there will be a mid-tribulation rapture. 
They, they believe that the New Testament saints will stick around and enjoy the beginning prosperous part of the tribulation. And then Jesus will come get us before the judgment part of the tribulation starts. And that's, that's a wrong perspective of the rapture. There's a post-tribulation rapture perspective out there. This teaches that Jesus does not get his bride uh, before the tribulation, but they will go through the tribulation period. This is also uh, wrong, misunderstanding of the, of the rapture. There's the teaching out there of a partial rapture. This teaches that Jesus will only rapture the New Testament saints that are, that are watching for his return, and those that weren't watching, you missed the bus, and uh, sorry, you've got to stick around through the tribulation. But that's, again, an improper understanding of Scripture. It's wrong. And then there's a teaching of multiple raptures. This teaches that Jesus will rapture parts of the church progressively throughout the tribulation. Um, I don't know where they pull that from as far as, as, far as uh, misunderstanding the, the scripture, but I guess they, there's only so many tickets and whoever gets on the first bus to heaven goes and then you've got to wait and come back for the next batch of people. Or, but again, that's a wrong perspective of the rapture. There are also some wrong perspectives when it comes to the revelation of Jesus Christ or his second coming. Um. And I didn't put those in my notes here <laughs> last night, which is okay. Uh, we have some wrong perspectives of, of, the, of the second coming. Some people think he's coming at the beginning of the millennial kingdom, and that is right. End of tribulation, Christ comes back to earth, and the millennial kingdom follows that. That's a biblical understanding. But there's some people who think that he comes after the millennium. They combine his second coming with the great white throne judgment. A lot of confusion because they're combining events that are separate in the Bible. So we need to rightly divide those as, as well. So some wrong perspectives on the rapture. There's wrong perspectives on the revelation. And it all comes from not understanding the difference between these two and having a right biblical understanding of it. So looking at the context of these, we have the context of the rapture and revelation. I gave you some scripture there that you can look at. We have Bible verses for, for all of these. If, if you'd like them, I didn't, there wasn't room for them on your notes, but I do have scripture for these points uh, underneath the contrasts of the two. But some verses that talk about the rapture, John 14, that's where we started this morning, uh, about Jesus coming again. I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. That's to talk about him, him catching us away to be in heaven, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That's again a prophecies uh, related to the rapture. We have 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's the verses that say, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Uh, the trumpet shall sound, those verses in 1 Corinthians 15. Revelation 2 through 4, the chapters, 2 through 4, they talk about uh, the, the rapture of the, of the church, and we see that in prophecy that the church is in heaven right there at the beginning of the tribulation. Then you get the revelation. There's, there's lots of Old Testament prophecy. We talked about that already, how the Old Testament looked ahead to the second coming of Christ and uh, made many prophecies in that regard. And then Matthew chapter 24 deals a lot with uh, the second coming of Christ. And uh, this is where some confusion takes place between rapture and revelation. Matthew 24 is a very very challenging uh, uh, chapter to, to understand. You have to really pay attention as you're reading it. The disciples ask Jesus three questions at the beginning of Matthew chapter 24. And then he answers them, but not in the same order uh, that they asked him. And, uh, and there's some misunderstandings that, that take place in there. But Matthew 24 predominantly deals with the second coming or the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then Revelation chapter 19 and 20, that talks about his return at the end of the tribulation, how he sets up his millennial kingdom at the end of the millennial kingdom is followed by the great white throne judgment. That's all laid out in Revelation 19 and 20. So I want to look at some of the contrast. What's the difference between the two, the rapture and the revelation of Jesus Christ? And this should be on the back page of your notes that you have there. But we see, first of all, we have the people. 
the people being referred to in the rapture and revelation of Jesus Christ. This is specifically his relationship with the church and where they are at these two events. We see that the rapture is the coming of the Lord for his saints. He is going to come and get us. That's the purpose of the rapture. He's coming to get us that where I am, ye may be also. That's prophesied in John chapter 14. That's the purpose of the rapture, to get, to get the church. He's coming for his saints. This is distinct from the revelation when he comes with his saints. When we have Jesus coming from heaven on a white horse, we have the host of heaven behind him, and that is, that is the, the, the church coming back with Christ as he establishes his kingdom here on earth. So in, in, in Jesus' second coming, the church is with him. So if we're with him at some point, he had to get us um, because we're not with him right now. We're not where I am. You may be also. That's not right now. So he's coming to get us so that he can have us with him. And then when he comes back to earth, he's going to bring us with, with him there. So we see in that, in that person of where we are and in and relation to Jesus clearly points to a difference between the two events that he's coming back for his church at the revelation. He's coming back with his church. That's the people of the rapture revelation. If you want some verses for that, John chapter 14, 1 through 3 refers to the rapture. Jude, verse number 14, and 1 Thessalonians 3, 13, talk about him coming with his saints. Then we see the place. Where does this take place? We see at the rapture, the saints are caught up together in the air. Uh, we're going to come and Christ is going to come back in the air and we're going, he's going to call us and we're going to go and be with him. He's going to meet us in the air. Uh, my pastor growing up used to say that it right there in the devil's backyard because the devil is the prince and power of the air. And we're going to have a meetup in the devil's backyard and he can't do anything about it before Jesus takes us to, takes us to heaven. So right there in the air, uh, we get to meet with Jesus. But it's important because Jesus doesn't come back to earth at the rapture. He doesn't come back to earth because there are prophecies about when he comes back to earth and those are his second coming, not the rapture. The rapture is when we meet him in the air. So we have the verses about him meeting us in the air that um, can't refer to his second coming because the second coming he's coming and he's gonna, his feet are going to touch the ground. So we meet him in the air. That's the place of the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4.17, I don't know if I gave you that verse. At the revelation, Christ returns to earth. Revelation 19, verses 11 and through 16 are some verses that go along with that. So Christ returns to the earth. He's going to land on the mountain of olives, and the ground's going to split, split beneath his feet. He's going to come into Jerusalem. He's going to establish his kingdom. That's second coming. First coming, or, or sorry, return, rapture, that's in the air. Revelation, he meets on the ground. Then we have the power of the rapture and Revelation. The rapture is a, is a truth that brings a message of hope and comfort. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, Titus 2.13 are some scriptures about that. But you, you think of the verse we use often at funerals, uh, We shall not all sleep, but we shall be caught up together to meet Him in the air, brethren, comfort one another with these words. What, what a comforting thought that Jesus is coming back to get us. When we look at the world and how bad things are getting and, and we look at the future and how bad things will get, this is what's going on in the world today is nothing compared to what's going to take place during the tribulation. But I don't have to worry about that because I won't be here because Jesus is going to come back for me and that's a message of hope. And when he comes back for me, the dead in Christ will rise also and everybody that I know and that I love 
love that had placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are going to be caught up together and we're all going to have a great reunion in the air before we head off to, to heaven to have the judgment seat of Christ and enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb and uh, begin our eternity together. What a message uh, uh, of hope. But that message of hope is not conveyed when the Bible talks about his second coming. Because when he comes to, to earth to establish his kingdom, to rule with a rod of iron, that he will, he will destroy the armies of the world, that he will um, establish his kingdom, that, that, that will lead into the judgment of nations, and that will, at the end of the millennial kingdom, that will be the, the judgment seat or the great white throne judgment. It's not a message of hope. It's a message of warning when it comes to the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's a message of fear and of judgment. So they're very two very different events. Um, it's something that we should be looking forward to, the rapture, but something the world should not be looking forward to, the second coming. Um, and that's why it's so important for you to be ready, for you to know where you're going to be, where you're going to spend eternity. Are you ready for when Christ comes at the rapture uh, for him to take you to heaven? And that you're only ready if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the power then the next point I have here I've called the premonitions, the premonitions of the rapture and, and a revelation. Premonition is a forewarning. Um, and we see the rapture uh, is an event that has no signs. There's only promises. We have a promise that Jesus is coming back to get us. There are not signs leading up to the rapture. The signs the Bible talks about are pointing to the second coming. Um, and the signs that are talked about are a lot of references to things going on in the tribulation that the Jews need to be aware of the fact that their Messiah is coming back to set up his kingdom because signs are for the Jews and the, the tribulation is a time where God deals with the Jewish nation. He's not dealing with the church anymore because we're in heaven. He's focusing on the Jewish nation. He's getting them ready to receive their Messiah and so the signs are there pointing to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So the revelation is an event that um, is preceded by multiple signs. Uh, the rapture, as far as it being only promises, you can look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17 for that. And then Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 8 and 29 through 30, talk about some of the signs that lead up to the second coming or the revelation of Christ. And then we have the prophecies, the prophecies of the rapture and revelation. The rapture is strictly a New Testament mystery. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 53. This is something that is revealed in the New Testament. The Old Testament, there is, there, there is no understanding of the, of the rapture. It is a New Testament. It is a New Testament mystery. It's a New Testament truth. But the revelation of Jesus Christ is a subject of Old Testament prophecy. Uh, many, many chapters of the Bible. Zechariah um, chapter... 12 and 14, Isaiah 34, Joel 2, Malachi uh, 4. These are all chapters of the Bible that are dedicated to talking about the return of Christ and His second coming. But, but the prophecy of the rapture is something we have in the New Testament that was revealed uh, in the New Testament as truths for, um, for the church. Then we have the promise, the promise of the rapture and the revelation. The rapture is a promise given exclusively to the church. When Christ comes back, he's coming back for those that are in Christ, uh, those, that are, those, that are um, those that are dead in Christ and those that are alive and remain. Implied in Christ shall be caught up together to meet him in the air. 
That's those who are in Christ. That's a prophecy for us as the church. Now the second coming, prophecies that primarily are related to Israel. Israel, we talked about in our lessons on the kingdoms and our lessons on dispensations, our lessons on the covenants that we talked about, all are about how God made promises to Israel and he's going to keep those promises to Israel. And a lot of those are wrapped up in the second coming of Jesus Christ. So the promise of the rapture is given to the church. The promise of the revelation primarily deals with the nation of Israel. Then we have the place. Uh, where, where are people going to go at these events? At the rapture, our church's expectation is to be taken into the Lord's presence. We're going to go to heaven. We're going to be with the Lord. Again, we'll have the judgment seat of Christ, and we will have the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what's going to happen. That's where we're going to go when the rapture takes place. Now, when the revelation takes place, the Israelite nation will be ushered into the millennial kingdom. That's their expectation. They're looking for the Messiah to come to earth and to bring them into a kingdom. And that's going to happen at the revelation. At the rapture, us as Christians are going to go to heaven with the Lord. That's our expectation. That's our place that we're going to go. We see in the raptures uh, talked about in John chapter 14, Revelation chapter 4. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse number 6. We looked at that verse. That's the revelation. The, the disciples asked him, are we going to the kingdom now? Can we, can we do it? Can we have this happen now? And that's what they were looking for. As well as chapter 3, verses 19 to 21 of Acts. We see next the program of the rapture in Revelation. The rapture takes place before the tribulation. The revelation takes place after the tribulation. Two distinct events separated by at least seven years that are between the two, um, from when Christ receives uh, his church to himself and we meet him in the air, to when Christ comes back on earth to establish his kingdom. Yes, we'll be with him and we'll be, we'll be in the kingdom with him, but there are two separate events. One takes place before the tribulation. One takes place after the tribulation. Number nine, we have the pace. Um, of the rapture and the revelation. The rapture will be in the moment. Uh, in the twinkling of an eye, just like that, you won't even know what happened. We're going to be in the air uh, with the Lord. I, in high school, learned about something called escape speed. Um, escape speed is the instantaneous speed something has to reach to leave Earth's gra gravitational pull without needing continuous propellant. Um, a rocket gets out of away from Earth because it keeps burning. But if you can shoot something off, it'll escape Earth um, if you go to uh, and just, just start going. And I believe the escape speed, if I remember right, because I had to do some math on this, but it was somewhere around 93,900 something miles an hour. Um, just boom. That's how fast you leave to get away from Earth without something pushing you. Um, so I don't know if that's what God's going to use to get us out of here, but that sounds like the twinkling of an eye to me um, as far as getting, getting, getting out of here. But that's the pace of the rapture. But when it comes to the second coming, the Bible says, every eye shall behold him. God, people are going to see Christ come out of heaven. The, the, the armies of the world are going to look up and they're going to see him coming back in the clouds. They're on, on, on his horse with, with the, and the battle taking place. And that's all going to happen at a pace where people can see it, where the rapture is something that's instantaneous. Again, very different, very different events as we look at them in Bible prophecy. Then we have the proving of the rapture and revelation. After the rapture, there's a judgment, but that is the judgment seat of Christ. And we took a lot of time to look at that a couple weeks ago. But the proving that takes place after the revelation of Jesus Christ is, is very immediately will be the judgment of nations, which we didn't have time to deal with in our lesson. But then after the millennial kingdom, the second coming is followed by the great white throne judgment. So there's two types of judgments. One's associated with the rapture. One's associated with the second coming. And it's a rapture, or sorry, the judgment of punishment after the second coming, judgment for rewards at the rapture. Then we have the prize, the prize of the rapture and revelation. Christ has an expectation. 
You know, we have an expectation. We have things that we're, we're looking, looking forward to. Um, but Christ has an expectation as well. And at the rapture, he's going to get a bride for himself. There's a very beautiful, we don't have time to get into the picture of it. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, the, 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 the passage about um, Christ preparing a bride, it says um, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. Um, talk about the bride of Christ. But that phrase, present it to himself. Um, that Christ is alongside us right now, getting us ready for that, that, that marriage that takes place when he receives his bride. And he's the one doing the work so that he can present us to, you, you think of a, a wedding. The, the father who's done all this work to get his little girl ready to give her away, he presents her to the groom. Christ is getting, doing the work to get us ready to present it to himself when the rapture takes place. Christ is going to give us away to himself. At the, uh, just a beautiful picture, right? Very, very to see what Christ is doing, his expectation. He's looking forward to that day when he gets to come back for his church. And then at the revelation, Christ is expecting to receive a kingdom. Uh, he is coming to have a kingdom, and he will rule and reign uh, forever. And that's his re- what he'll be receiving at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So these two events... Very distinct from one another, but we can get them confused as we look in the future and just can't quite tell the difference between the two. Same way the Old Testament saints did, but that's not an excuse because Jesus said, Oh, fools and slow of hearts to believe all that was written in the prophets. And he said, I can take you to the Bible and I can show you the difference between the two. We have an obligation to understand the difference between the two as well as we look forward to what Christ has in store in the future. So the first and second comings of Christ were different events. And the rapture and the revelation of Christ are different events as well.